Hey Mets fans, I'm Vito Calisi, and this is Jonathan Barron, and we are the hosts of the brand new official Mets podcast, Meet at the Apple. Now this podcast is gonna hit different with exclusive content and experiences that you just won't find anywhere else. Now, before we take over hosting the show, we're gonna hand the reins over to Howie Rose for a very special interview with Steve Cullen. So enjoy the interview, and we'll meet you at the Apple. Man, I heard those voices all the way across the complex. You guys should start a podcast. Wow, thanks, Brandon Nimmo. Take it away, Howie. Well, thanks, guys, and I understand your strategy quite clearly. You're going to throw me to the wolves, have me do the first one. If I mess it up, then you guys get to swoop in, steer this thing to greatness, which I'm sure is how it's going to turn out, because we would expect nothing less on every edition this year of Meet at the Apple. And I'm very happy to report that our first guest, and this is kind of continuing a tradition that we've enjoyed since Steve Cohen bought the club, is the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen. So again, I'm happy, Steve, that uh, you've uh, become our first guest and that we've made kind of an annual affair of this. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't do better than me. You couldn't find anybody else. <laughs> well, we've got strategy here. We start at the top and we work our <laughs> All way right. down. Fair enough. All right. I'm glad that you're with us. And um, why don't we just dive right into this thing? Because I know that uh, with spring training beginning, there are a lot of fans who, uh, you know, had various expectations for what you were going to do during this offseason. So uh, why don't we, as an overview, take a look um, at what happened between the end of the season and now, how you have gotten to where we are and uh, what might happen between now and the beginning of the regular season, too? Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, it, it wasn't like the, your, the, the type of off-seasons we've had over the last few years where we're signing big free agents. And so it was a little bit of a different approach. And, uh, but what I'm excited by is, you know, we've really built a lot of depth in this ball club, whether in the bullpen, whether, you know, positional players. And, and so, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I, I, I kind of I, I, I like what we're doing. You know, we're building a better defense. And, and things that maybe last year um, we weren't as good at. And, and, you know, there are statistics out there that said, I think last year we were minus 26 in defensive runs saved. And so you can imagine one run in some games that could be really tight. And if you, you give a team, the other team four outs or you're sloppy with your fielding, you know, you, you can find a way to snatch uh, – you know, you end up with defeat instead of instead of victory. And so um, so I'm encouraged what we've built here. And and it's not uh, it's not going to make it. You know, the names are are not not as uh, high profile as previous. And uh, but I'm excited by what we're building and also excited by the opportunity to see our young ballplayers play. And, and we've got to find out what we got. And and everybody loves prospects. And everybody wants, you know, a great farm system. But the second part of that is you, then you got to let them play. And that's what that's our plan. That's what we're going to do. Um, and so but I do think that uh, we've built a really competitive ball club that I think uh, is going to excite people. We're going to play great defense. You're going to see diving grabs. Um, you're going to see the young players. You know, listen, a lot of our players that came, you know, came up last year, they'll, they'll be in their second year. And so you would you would hope and expect for, you know, some improvement there. Uh, we've got Edwin back, Edwin Diaz, and, and obviously that was a big, uh, you know, obviously 
you know, unfortunate uh, what happened to him last year. But we got him back this year, and so uh, we're excited by that. And I think we're going to be really competitive and really exciting to watch. Now, you kind of spelled this process out. You really almost telegraphed it from, I think, even the first press conference that you gave after you became the owner a few years ago. You said that your goal was to build something sustainable. And clearly, as you've addressed, that's kind of what this offseason has been about. But, you know, you know how, how the fans are in this age of social media. There's no secrets out there. You know that there's a faction that says, well, you know, we've got well-heeled ownership. Why not keep spending? I mean, you know, listen, I mean, in the end, we, we showed last year that you can spend a lot of money and not, not get a great result. And obviously, uh, there's, there's always a certain amount of variability every year in the season, right? Sometimes ball players play well. Sometimes they get injured. Things happen, right? And, and, and they're unpredictable. And so we made a lot of moves last year to build up our farm system. And, you know, we hope to see some of those players start to come up and excite the fans. Um, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, what, you want to create sustainability over a long period of time and not just for one year or, or, or whatever. And so and I think that's what we're building. And so I'm asking the fans for a little patience. Um, I'm asking the fans and, you know, everybody that, you know, watches the Mets to um, embrace these young players. You know, it's really interesting. I, 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 and it was pretty fascinating that you know, the situation with Trey Turner last year, where he got off to a really bad start, and, and, and the fans gave him a standing ovation at a game, right at the- and this, is, this is in Philadelphia. This is in Philadelphia, right? Which is like, wow, okay? You, you wouldn't expect it from them. And then he went and right there, it turned around his season. Players, you know, they, they get in funks and sometimes they're adjusting the new, new uh, surroundings. And, and so I'm asking the fans, you know, to give our young players a chance and, and our new players a chance. And let's see how the, let's see how the uh, season develops. And I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised where how we end up. You know, as we talked about fans a moment ago, they're still, you know, kind of balancing their desire to have a big name. And there are a couple of guys out there who, you know, could conceivably help as a designated hitter. J.D. Martinez is out there. But young players also, apart from being talent, they're currency. And in order to maximize their value, either within this organization or someday another one as potential barter, you do need to find out about them. So is that the priority? Yeah, listen, these are these are tough decisions and ones that I'm sure our baseball operations people are, are wrestling with. And, and um, um, yes, if you, if you bring in a DH, then you take away at bats from um, either uh, Vantos or, uh, or even the flexibility of cycling players, give them a, a rest day, uh, you know, give Alonzo a rest day or Nimmo and let them DH. And so, you know, there, there's a cost to that saying that, um, you know, we, we're always going to be opportunistic. And if the price is right and we think we can add value, we'll consider it. And there seems to be a simpatico just based on history between how David Stearns built his teams in Milwaukee, which were pretty successful on obviously a different type of budget than he's going to have to work with here. But philosophically, having him and having a bit of a track record in bringing young players along and, and you know, creating something that is 
considered sustainable. Um, are, are you more likely to just kind of step back and let him do his thing than, than perhaps you would with someone who might be of a different mindset? Listen, he's the, he's the consummate professional. He's had great success. I hired him for a reason. And so I'm letting him do his thing. And, and I, listen, we're in contact all the time. I have a point of view. Our discussions are, are interesting. Uh, his, 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 he's very thoughtful about how he's constructing the team. And, and um, you know, there's no one way to construct a team. When you look at the teams around the league, they've all done it differently. And, and, uh, but the goal here, I think, is to create depth, you know, good defense, uh, allow our players, young players to play and, and see what we have. And I think we can accomplish all, all that and still make the playoffs. And so um, um, I think, I'll say it again, I, I think the fans are going to enjoy the quality of the baseball they're going to see this year. And, and you did something last year at the trade deadline. And again, you kind of talked about it when you had your press conference in June as the season was unfolding and not going exactly the way you'd hoped. But, you know, you ended up paying down a lot of money on older players like, obviously, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, as well as a couple of others. And effectively, you bought prospects, which is something that really hadn't been done to the degree that you did it previously. So do you feel when you look back at, at where you were last trade deadline, the beginning of August, how far do you think you've or quickly you might have expedited the development of the Mets farm system or maybe the replenishing of the Mets farm system to where you feel that maybe some of those kids can contribute as soon as this year? Well, I wouldn't describe it as buying prospects. We made trades. And the reality was that, you know, some of the contracts I had laid out, um, you know, the value of those contracts changed as, as you know, players were playing through the year and what, what other teams were willing to pay for them. And so, uh, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I would call it uh, marking to market in my terms in, in Wall Street, where that's the value, not what we paid for them or what the contract said, but what they were valued today in the marketplace. And um, so we made trades and, and the, the, the goal was to get younger and get more athletic. And I think we accomplished that. And so, and I, and I actually, you know, I, I gotta give it, I gotta, I really appreciate the fans that they got the strategy and they got it quick and they understood where, you know, what needed to be done and where we were going. And so, um, so kudos to them. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, they're, they're excited. They, you know, they love, they love the Mets and, and I appreciate the fact that they understood that this was going to be a process. And, you know, I made the pivot and, um, you know, it, it might have been considered radical in baseball, but in my world and in the hedge fund industry, eh, sort of how I operate. And so, you know, to me, it wasn't that, you know, I thought the decision was wasn't all that hard. And, you know, given given what our prospects were for the for 23 season. And so. Um, um, so that decision was made. Now we're in a you know, place where we have lots of, you know, we have an improved farm system. Some of, the, some of those players, you know, probably help us this year at some point. And, and I think, you know, it, the fans could get excited. I and mean, when you look around baseball, baseball's gotten younger. It's gotten more athletic. You know, a lot of this has to do with the rule changes that, that came in, in the in last year. And so we had to adapt and we had to change. And I think we've you know, moved uh, aggressively in that direction. 
and sort of we'll continue to kind of try to further our goals of, of trying to make the playoffs and yet create a sustainable farm system, a sustainable uh, pipeline of talent that the fans can get excited by. And, and, we, and we can win. So clearly we've talked about a lot that you've done. Um, there were a couple of things that didn't happen in the offseason that you tried to accomplish along with a few other teams that tried to do it. And uh, one of them, of course, probably the biggest one, was uh, going after uh, the Japanese pitcher Yoshi Yamamoto. Um, can you walk us through the process and how optimistic you might have been at some point and, and how you reconcile that you gave it your best shot and it didn't work out? Yeah, listen, there were how many teams were after him? Probably eight to ten, and there's only one winner. And so, uh, fortunately, you know, we didn't land, we didn't land him. I, I felt our, we, we gave it maximum effort. Uh, David and I flew to Japan. Uh, we had lunch with uh, Yoshinobu and, and um, found him an outstanding individual, and obviously his record speaks for himself. And, and, and the way I look at these things, even if we didn't land him, I think we made an impression on him. And I think that goes a long way for the next players that come out of Japan. And, and so, um, um, so I feel good about what we did. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing long ball. I'm not just playing short ball. And I'm sure there'll be other opportunities to land interesting players, you know, from Asia. And, and um, you know, I look forward to putting in the same effort. And I'm sure we'll, we'll land our share. Okay, well, you just used the term long ball, which serves as a perfect segue into talking about... I'm trying about... to help you out here, Howie. <laughs> That's yeah. great. I mean, I love it. <laughs> you, you just led me right into a fellow by the name of Pete Alonzo, who's going into his walk year, the final year of his contract. Um, you know the fans want to keep him. He's immensely popular here. Uh, he's produced power numbers to the extent that no Mets hitter in their history ever has. So... Um, as, as best you can inform us as of to date, where do you stand right now in terms of making Pete perhaps a, a lifetime Met? Listen, we want to keep him. I mean, you know, he's an important part of our team today and hopefully in the future. And, and we know the fans feel strongly about him. And so, uh, but he earned the right, you know, to explore his value, um, you know, a lot of these players only get one real shot to explore their value, and that's at their free agency year. And, and so he's hired Scott Boris, and, you know, Scott's known for trying to maximize value for his client. And so, you know, I don't expect anything to transpire uh, before Pete reaches free agency. We're always open to conversation. And, but, I, you know, I mean, he's earned the right to explore his value. And I'm highly supportive of all players doing that. And just like we ended up figuring it out with Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo, you know, it'd be my hope that we do the same with Pete. You know, there's such an interesting dynamic that goes into free agency. And I think based on a lot of stuff you've told us over the years, that this really kind of ties in with what you like to call your day job, where you get in the case of, I'll use Pete as an example, you have all this data that becomes available, that can best inform and project what you can expect from a player given age, size, condition, medical history, and everything for, say, year two, four, five, six of a long-term contract. And that creates uh, the ability to act 
pragmatically, which I know is what you have to do in what you do during the day, of course. But, you know, with, with a player, whether it's Peter or anybody else, emotion has to factor in as well, knowing how the fans feel about him, knowing what your perception might be of, of you know, his eventual legacy with, with this club. So how do you balance pragmatism, which informs you how to best do business, with the emotion of making a decision about someone who is, is largely beloved? Yeah, listen, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you've got a lot of different factors that come into play here, and I'm not tone deaf. Okay, like I totally understand, you know, the fans love of Pete. You know, I can't predict the future. I don't know what their expectations are and we'll find out. And and, um, um, you know, there's it, it, the reality is never one player that makes a team. Right. It's a, that's why they call it a team. And we've got to do what's in the best interest of the club over any one player. But the reality is, is reality. I mean, Pete is a, it's not, you know, he's, he's demonstrated he can play in New York. He can demonstrate, he's demonstrated he's, um, you know, he's, he's playing every game. I mean, he gets into a car accident and two or three days later, he's back on the field. I mean, like, I mean, he's playing 158, 58 games a year, 156 games every year. You know, hurt his wrist and he was back within 10 days when normally anybody else would have been taking a month. So, I mean, that doesn't go unnoticed. He's an important part of our team. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I'll say it again. I hope we work it out. So, Steve, given all the variables, what are your expectations for Pete this year? Well, listen, I hope he, I hope he hits 55 home runs and, and makes it so difficult on me you know, in free agency. So, you know, that would, I would call that a great outcome. Well, one of the things about this meet at the apple podcast, though, that, uh, you know, we're going to enjoy, uh, hearing, seeing throughout the season is that this is not just about the on field product. It's about, uh, things that happen off the field, the entire ballpark experience. And, you know, obviously last year there were a lot of new things, most notably the, the huge scoreboard. So what can you tell us about, uh, what fans will notice as uh, different and, and better at City Field this year? Yeah, we're, you know, we've got some stuff going on. We always have some stuff going on. And, and uh, you know, we're expanding the retail store by, you know, we're doubling the size of the store. Um, so obviously more merchandise, more, more options. I think people will love the feel of it. And, and, uh, and so that's one thing we're doing. And another thing we're doing is we're expanding the home plate club. Uh, making it three times the size for our, for our premium paying customers and, and give them a... Real, That's the one downstairs right behind home plate. That's the one behind home plate and, and uh, give them a, like a world-class experience down there. And so, you know, every year we're thinking about what, can, what else can we do uh, to make the fan experience, uh, you know, as great as possible. And I got plenty of ideas. And so just a question of funding it all and, uh, you know, that's that's, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, uh, you know, always working on. And, and but yeah, my, our fans can expect continuing positive changes to the ballpark, to their experience. And that's what, you know, I care about that. I want them to come and have a great time. Well, I know there's always a lot of buzz about the promotions and the giveaways. And uh, I know that I have a personal 
um, biased, I suppose, because whatever you give away this year, it's going to be pretty hard to top this baby right here. So, I mean, that is a, um, you know, something I suspect that could be an incredible, valuable <laughs> item, you know, way into the future. I'm looking at your shelf there. I don't, I don't see one. I, I think no, I can look you up if you no, need one. No, you know what? I think someone took it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I thought your security was better than that, but I, I could get yeah. you another one if you want. You know, it's, you know, it's easy. You know, they, when I wasn't looking. Who knows? <laughs> well, okay. So uh, you may have to go a long way to top that one because this one talks. But um, what, what, what can you tell us about some of the giveaways that you think are going to be especially popular this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously we have uh, – uh, the bobbleheads are, you know, obviously a big fan favorite. And we got one, I think, Mr. Met in London. You know, we're playing in London in June, two games against the Phillies. And so, uh, you know, we figured we, we'd uh, you know, play, you know, do something that would celebrate that. And I encourage fans to come on over to London and enjoy, uh, you know, a unique experience. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. We're always thinking about ways to, you know, get the fans excited. They love it, right? They love, you know, stuff like that. And, and uh, so we are, you know, always thinking about new ways to, to um, excite the fans. Well, one thing that I should mention too, because this came out pretty recently and it was, as was reported, the product of, you know, some pretty um, detailed investigation that you did among the fan base who said that we want more Saturday afternoon games. And you've made good on that. So what was the process like there and how much kind of hand-wringing was there, you know, between the idea of, you know, making a Saturday night kind of a special thing and, and uh, listening to fans who clearly seem to support Saturday afternoons? Hey, listen, I mean, you know, that's, you know, we're, that's what we're, we're trying to do. We're trying to listen to the fans, see if it makes sense. And that idea made a ton of sense. And so um, why not? Right. I mean, uh, uh, if, if, you know, if it means more fans at the ballpark and they're having a you know, better experience and they can bring the kids, uh, to me, I think it's a win for everybody. And that's sort of how we think about things. And we're always using data in ways to kind of uh, inform, you know, is this a good idea or a bad idea? And, and um, this lined up beautifully, so why not? Well, I know that um, your passions go beyond simply baseball. We've read about your passion for art, and I know that that's come into play again with a particular artist collaboration. How can you tell us, what more can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. With the rollout of the promotional items, I think they kind of got lost in the discussion. Um, so I was, you know, I, I invited a couple of artists up to my suite. They, you know, they love baseball and we were just kind of brainstorming and we came up with the idea of creating a, uh, you know, these are some, uh, some of the most well-known contemporary artists in America today. And uh, we came up with the idea of designing um, you know, some promotional items where they, they actually designed their own item and, and then we would give it to our fans. And so, you know, we have three artists this year that are creating unique items and, and, and could be collectibles at the same time, just like the bobbleheads. And so, you know, it's so, listen, I'm interested in art. Uh, I collect art and, and uh, enjoy, um, you know, that, that aspect of my life. And I, you know, and, 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 you know, the idea of these artists who love baseball too, and then to create something that's unique, you know, marrying culture in different ways I mean, why not? You know, I mean, 
And so, yeah, that seems to be, uh, you know, a thing that, I mean, look at Taylor Swift and football today, right? I mean, I mean, this isn't of that ilk, but still it's marrying different cultures in a way that um, hopefully excites the fans. So will they be given away as prints or is it more elaborate than that? No, no, like bucket hats and other items, oh, things, okay. that, things they could use, you know, and so uh, hopefully this is, this is, uh, you know, something that, uh, uh, be, you know, it's the beginning of something we'll do every year and, and uh, you know, create sort of a different category that fans can enjoy and, and uh, hopefully collect. And I know that you're also planning, and this has been written about, and there have been a lot of schematics that have been revealed uh, on developing the area adjacent to City Field. Uh, a few months ago, you, you know, you unveiled this plan for what's going to be called Metropolitan Park. Uh, what kind of an update can you give us about the process that will allow that to eventually reach fruition? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're spending a ton of time with the community. You know, the, you know, the way we describe it to everybody, this is, this is the parking lot, 50 acres of asphalt. And what are we going to do with it? And what could we do with it that creates a, a destination around the ballpark that not just for our fans, but for the whole community in all of New York City, and so that's what we're thinking about. And, it, it, you know, we're, we're planning an integrated uh, entertainment resort, um, you know, with great live music, uh, with gaming, um, you know, a, a, a total separate area, what we, we're going to call a taste of Queens, you know, with local food and, and, and uh, places to, to meet up with people and restaurants and bars and, you know, sort of the things you see at other, other ballparks. And, and so, so when someone comes to the ballpark, it's not just, you know, park, watch a game and go home. I mean, you can spend a day there. You can spend an evening after, you know, if we have a, uh, an afternoon game, a, you know, four o'clock game, you can have dinner afterwards and make, make it a, a, you know, a six, seven hour stay in Queens in, in this uh, entertainment uh, complex. And so that's what we're thinking about. We're talking to the community, listening to them, what they want. Um, they're going to live nearby. They're going to they're going to be there. Uh, we want to make sure that we're hitting hitting the things that matter to them. Um, and we're really excited about you know our plans have really been you know well developed and obviously subject to change depending on on what happens. And you know obviously we'll take a good idea from anybody and and uh, to create something that we're proud of and and that's the goal because you talk about the parking lot as it currently exists so is this vision on the city field side of Seaver way which previously had been 126th street is this separate and apart for anything that might be developed on the land that had been where the junkyards have been for all these years yeah this is this is the land that we control you know that where the parking lot is, and um, um, so what happens to parking? Would no, we'll build, we'll build, we'll build, build garages, and, okay. uh, and 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 position them in different places so people have easy access to the highways as opposed to all leaving at a one, you know, parking lot where things tend to get a little bottled up, and 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 trying to trying to make the ease of getting to the ballpark, you know, faster and and and. Uh, and less stressful for our fans. And so, you know, this, this, this is a uh, massive effort uh, by my team and, um, you know, more to come as it develops. 
you know, a lot of this is dependent on on um, city and 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 state approvals, and so that takes time. And then there'll be a, a process of applying for a, a license to build this, and and that takes time. And so we're hoping to get you know some uh, resolution on this over the next year or two. So, and, and then, of course, the building part of it's going to take a then while. Then the building's going to so take a while, so that'll probably take another, you know, three to four years. And so, uh, you know, we're talking 2029, 2030. So it's still a ways away. And, and but, you know, th this it's an eight billion dollar project. It's massive. Um, it's it's it. The, the community is going is excited by it. Um, um, and, um, you know, it's going to create a lot of um, um, I think the fans are going to be really excited but we're, how we're going to transform 50 acres of asphalt into there'll be a 20 acre park for, for the community. In addition to part of that 50 acres, you know, ball fields for the community, entertainment, uh, entertainment and, and uh, community, community type uh, uh, projects and, and benefits. And so, uh, but, you know, the, I'm sure, you know, what happens when you have a development like this, then they end up developing around the, these things and start to create its own, you know, where the junk shops are, I'm sure it'll be, uh, uh, additional building by other people that will transform that area too. And I know people, are, I always say people are going to be upset that they can't get their hubcap uh, fixed or, and I know that's going to be a, you know, a real downside, but uh, you know, so hopefully we'll, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, there's plenty of uh, uh, other uh, proposals out there, you know, in the New York, uh, New York city. And so hopefully, you know, we'll, 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 persuade the, the right people that this is the right project and, and we'll get a chance to build it. Well, speaking of junkyards, that's about where my golf game is. And I know that you're getting extremely involved now in this investment that you've made with the PGA Tour. Maybe I can get a little help from someone eventually. I'm probably beyond help. But uh, in your case, what, what is uh, the scope of this investment with PGA? Yeah, I needed some help with my putting. So I figured I'd try something unusual. Um, you know, listen, it's, it's a passive investment and, and with a group of sports owners who love golf and, and believe uh, we can we can bring uh, as sports owners, uh, you know, ways of operating uh, sports enterprises that I think will improve uh, the fan experience, you know, for for golf fans and 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 also uh, for, for the tour players. And so I'm, listen, I love golf. It's something I'm excited by. It's a relatively smaller investment to what I have in the Mets. And, and you know, the Mets is my number one uh, concern. And, you know, I said it, I'll say it again. I got to get the Mets right. And so, you know, I'm fully, continue to be fully engaged in the Mets. And um, that's my, uh, that's my baby. And I'm going to, you know, do whatever I can to, uh, you know, bring a World Series to to our fans. You've been nurturing it for a few years now. So in retrospect, what's been the bigger challenge for you? Building a ball club, something as you use the word sustainable or having built the, the hedge fund to the point where it is? Well, listen, I mean, even when I, you know, they're both, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I, when I built my hedge fund, it took time, right? It doesn't, that doesn't just happen overnight. And, you know, I described the Mets as a fixer-upper. And, you know, we made great progress over the last couple of years, you know, in, in improving the processes and, and how we go about developing talent.
And now with David here, we, you know, we'll take an additional step forward in that. And, and I can already see uh, the little things that are, that are different that I think will improve the ultimate uh, talent pipeline and the performance of the team. And so, um, you know, that's something to look forward to. But it takes time, you know, and, 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 and fans have to be patient. And, you know, it takes three to five, maybe six years to develop a player, depending on how old they are. And so uh, it's a work in progress. And I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing. And, and so I think there's a lot to look forward to. Well, we're all looking forward to the season. I especially enjoy having the opportunity to have this conversation annually prior to spring training and getting all the fans right into the loop about how ownership is feeling. So, again, Steve, thanks and look forward to a great season. Yeah, happy to do it. I, and I, I'm looking forward to the season. So I can't wait. Can't wait. You know, spring training, I'll be down there next week. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again. As far as this first edition of Meet at the Apple goes, you can... Thank you.